Welcome to the Lifeway Student Ministry Podcast. I'm Ben Trueblood alongside John Paul Basham. Yo! We are excited to be here with you for another episode. As we normally do, here is your quick reminder to leave a rating and review. If you've not done that yet, that would be awesome. It helps us know what you think of the podcast. It also helps other people find the podcast as they search for student ministry related content on their podcasting platform of choice. So please do those things. We sure would appreciate it. Additionally, I want to let you know about Parent Partner. It's a brand new resource, uh, just a couple months old, that uh, we're doing through LifeWay Students. And it is designed for you as the student pastor to help parents disciple their teenagers in the home. So it's a subscription service. It's $15.99 per month, and that covers your whole ministry. As many parents as you want to send it to, it covers that for $15.99. And it gives the parents a month-long theme to work through with weekly chunks, bite-sized, accessible prayers that they can pray, conversations that they can have, scripture that they can read to equip them to have those discipleship conversations in the home. We know from research that only 27% of students active in the church report that they have spiritual conversations with their families in the home. And this resource is designed to help you up that number, to help you equip parents to have those super important spiritual conversations. Uh, We've found that Parents don't have those. There aren't, they aren't engaged in discipleship conversations, not because they don't want to, but because many of them don't know how. And this helps them know how. So check out Parent Partner at Lifeway.com slash Parent Partner and subscribe for that today. Our episode on the podcast today is all about taking advantage of cultural trends to disciple your students. Now, I would say this right out of the gate. We know that the culture doesn't disciple students that the word of God does, right? Like, well, if we, if we want to take a broad definition of disciple, we could say that a lot of things disciple. And in that case, there are, there are some things in culture that teach students how to follow something else, right? But if we, if we take the discipleship term that we are all familiar with listening to this podcast, we know that the word of God is the only thing that transforms a heart and as such is the central component of discipleship. But there are things happening all the time in and around a teenager's life that if you help them connect the dots from the things in our culture, to scriptural principles, to the truth of God's word, then they will begin to see, oh man, scripture really does speak to the everyday issues of my life. And I think when we when we consider discipling teenagers, helping them understand that the Bible really does speak to the everyday things of their lives, it like unlocks this passion for God's word that will remain long after they're in student ministry. So today's episode is going to be uh, around some specific things in our culture, uh, kind of can't miss opportunities to help students think biblically about their culture. And so one of those right away that I would mention is something that in our school system here, now school systems where, where you're listening from uh, wherever you are on the podcast, your school public schools in your area are handling this moment uh, in the fall of 
coronavirus. They're, hand, they're all handling it a different way. Some are all virtual. Some are fully back every day. And some are doing this hybrid model, a couple in, uh, days in school and a couple not. So your context, wherever you are, is going to be very different in how your school system is choosing to handle this. Like, for instance, our school system that our kids are in here, uh, we started off hybrid at the beginning of the year, two days of school uh, in the classroom, three days virtually. And since then, uh, our numbers continued to fall in our county. And so they decided to go back full time. They're five days in school. But one of the interesting things, John Paul, that I noticed about my own kids being in this hybrid school model is, and I think this is a unique discipleship opportunity and maybe an opportunity where the church can step in and provide consistency, where the church can step in and provide community two things that the church should be really good at. Uh, I, I started to notice that my kids were never seeing the other half of the alphabet, that they were only in school with, you know, M through Z or whatever, however it was split up, right? I don't remember the exact breakdown of, in terms of alphabetical last name, but for the first part of this school year, um, they had friends and people that they were used to seeing every day in school last year, and they only saw half the alphabet. And man, w w for student ministries, when we talk about, hey, reaching your friends at school and uh, the lunchroom being an opportunity to build relationships that can point people to the gospel and just the community factor, like I mentioned a minute ago, uh, it started to click with me that that hybrid schedule really is an opportunity for the church to step in in the lives of students and say, hey, like, let's think about this, not just from an academic standpoint, but let's think about it from a spiritual standpoint in how we can handle this moment as disciples of Jesus Christ. So does this look like to you, I mean, is, so part of our research from Within Reach talked about intentionally connecting students with three or more adults and what that leads us down the road of helping student pastors think through the filter of exactly who are each of my students engaging with who are they in bible study with whose mentorship are they under what do all of their small group environments look like does everything add up to a discipleship environment that's going to truly get them from point A to point B, or is this just a program checkbox? So are you saying in that just understanding that their engagement is limited um, to kind of leverage that moment and say, if it's going to be limited, then we're going to make sure that you're seeing at very least these strategic relationships? Yeah, I, th I think one of the things that I would be, uh, I think the church has opportunity to do in this moment is to say, if your schools are in some kind of hybrid model, or if they're continuing to be all virtual, what are the ways that we can show and, and, and shine a spotlight on the importance of being together right now? Because there, there is, it, it's not just a good idea and healthy for people to be together. It's actually spiritually sound and beneficial for us for us to be together. You know, there's this uh, show on the History Channel. It's called Alone. 
and I love it. I, I believe it's on the History Channel, uh, but it, it, it's the it's the show where these people are dropped off in the wilderness, uh, and it's one of these reality shows, and they're completely by themselves, hence the name alone, and they have to survive. And it's cool because you know they build their own shelter and they use survival techniques, but it is rarely the survival techniques that send people home. It nearly in in, in nearly every case these contestants get to the point where they say, I just miss my family. I just can't stand being alone. I just am struggling. I'm depressed because I'm out here by myself. Yeah. And I just want to scream at the TV. Like it, that's not a survival moment. That is like, that is a spiritual statement that's happening in the lives of these, of all these people. And I think this moment, because of the way that schools are, We've got to, as the church, we have to seize the moment and connect the spiritual health principle principle of being together to the hearts of our students. Like that, that has that has to, ha and you can do that and still be safe, and you can do that and still abide by what your bosses are telling you, student pastors, and what like you can do that. But we, we've got to we've got to use this moment strategically to connect the hearts of teenagers to why they feel this longing to be together. So this may seem like an extreme illustration to toss in here. Uh, but at one point we we had a a training deal that that we were using in a lot of our student pastor training environments where we talked about the the dangers of being isolated as a believer. And all of this was was pre-COVID. But one of the things we leaned into was the history of solitary confinement and how it came about. And originally, the idea of solitary confinement was, let's put these really terrible criminals in a room by themselves with nothing but the Bible. And surely, with nothing else to do than read the Bible, they'll come out reformed by the Word of God. <laughs> and... You Which know, in principle sounds like, hey, that makes sense. Sounds like it'd be a good plan. Yeah, except that it's completely void of the model that Christ gave that's, us for how right. to dig into the Word and how to be transformed <laughs> by the Word, specifically in community with believers being discipled yeah. by other people. Uh, so what happened is people started going insane instead of becoming Christians. And it just speaks to, and I'm not suggesting that your students are all going insane uh, <laughs> but our students are struggling uh, yeah i mean the world is struggling in isolation still even as we begin to emerge in small ways from what may have been the most extreme isolation of this covid season we're still struggling we're still isolated and we're driving more and more into the things that isolated us even before COVID, like social media interaction that is by nature isolating because we're alone with our, with our phone and with our thoughts and with our emotions and uh, so tangibly judged uh, in, in an exponentially more impactful way. And so we're physically alone and we're diving deeper into this technologically alone culture. And what do we think is going to happen to our students that are sitting in that? I mean, I think there's a, there's a direct correlation to that example of what happened to people in solitary confinement. 
it's like you were saying, I mean, we're not built to be alone. We're built to be in community. And there's a reason for that. So I think it's a, a mind shift that needs to happen in the minds of, and I think has happened in the minds of many student pastors, student ministry leaders to say, yeah. this isn't about the solution that I'm trying to find shouldn't be how my program should shift primarily. It should be, how do I minister to my people primarily? How do I shepherd my people in this season? And let that be the driving force, ministering to them, reaching them. What is the primary issue today? So many of them are the same, but what's magnifying that is that isolation. So how do I address the isolation and then let that drive how that is reflected in your programming, but n- not vice versa. Yeah. And I, th- I think important to remember here, too, is just the need to connect the dots for students in their in their minds, like being able to talk about, hey, what are you experiencing in the middle of this? Have conversation around there. OK, here's why you're experiencing that. And here's what the Bible says about that. I mean, connecting those two things of, man, I feel this loneliness. I feel like stress. I feel anxiety. Okay. Well, well, yeah, here's why. And here's why the church is uniquely built and structured for us to be together and following the Lord together like that. You know, if we want to talk about student ministry uh, being a foundational moment in a person's life on whether they continue to follow the Lord for the long term, helping them understand why the church exists, not just as an activity, but it actually is healthy for us to follow Jesus together. And when we're not following Jesus together in community, then there there's going to be some side effects to that. And that that is mixed up in the emotions and the feelings that you're that you're walking through perhaps you know you started with parent partner and something that just kind of comes up in my mind in the moment is that not all but many of our students are not alone when they're home but so That's like right. my family I, i'm working full time remote and my wife runs a little company out of our house. She is here all the time too. And so our two older boys are in school. And so they're away from us during the day, but but we're together a lot more than we used to be. Uh, and I, I think there is a lot of coaching still to be done from student pastors to parents to say, hey, you need to realize too the loneliness that your students are feeling and maybe the rhythms that you used to have as a family that used to be enough because they were in community elsewhere aren't enough now. It it can be easy to say, okay, well, life's a little different, but you know, if parents are in my position, man, I'm going to go in my office, I'm going to do my work, I'm going to come out of the office, you know, when I used to come home and we're going to have the same family rhythm. Maybe your kid's spiritual life is wilting under that old rhythm. Maybe they need you to be a whole lot more intentional to say, we're going to build the community that maybe we should have had for so long in our home, Mm. that now we've been afforded the ability to have because we're home. 
Man, that's good. I, I would say too, you know, we, we talked a lot about students in this whole conversation. And I think uh, uh, student pastors, as you begin to unpack what we've talked about here, looks like in your context, I think remembering that parents are susceptible to all of these same things is really important too. Yeah. And that they need, they need somebody to help them and just be there for them. And so maybe there's some collaboration that can happen between you and uh, whoever it is that is connecting with adults in your church and to, to really tackle this from a full family perspective. Well, that would create a, an amazing opportunity for churches to truly reach into the homes in this moment. All right, let's move on to another thing in our culture right now that I, that I really believe is a baseball on the tee in terms of discipleship opportunities. Uh, and that is the upcoming presidential election. Now you might be thinking how in the world that's a baseball on the tee for a lot of things, but a (laughs) discipleship opportunity is not one of them. Well, let me give you just a quick statement on it. Uh, and, and then we can, we can have some discussion around how to do this, but here's why I personally believe this is a can't miss discipleship opportunity is because your teenagers are going to be hearing about this political, uh, this presidential election continually. Yeah, We are not going to be able to escape it. And we need to help teenagers think biblically about the culture. We do not need to disciple them into a, a certain party or into a certain person other than Jesus. Those things would be mistakes. But we do need to take the issues of our day and equip our students not to think politically about those things, but to think biblically about them. Because if we truly believe that the Bible does inform us and lead us and speak truth to our lives, then it has to do that in all areas, not just in a couple of areas that are easy to talk about and not as controversial. So this is a baseball on the tee for you to have real conversations to help your students think biblically about the issues of our day and specifically the presidential election coming up. And again, not to try to sway them to a certain person or a certain party, but to teach them how to use the Bible to make their own decisions. Um, Ultimately, if we want to boil discipleship down, it, it part of that what's left after the boiling is like I'm going to reproduce myself as a disciple to another to another person people throughout my lifetime and the Bible is going to be what I base my decisions in life upon like those things are the essence of it right yeah uh, and so this for for the church to ignore, this moment or for student ministries to not ignore this moment is to teach students that there is a divide between their spiritual life and their public life. And we know that that's not the truth. It is also to teach them to be passive in regards to their engagement in culture. And Matthew chapter five is clear that we are not to be passive in our engagement, but that we are lights to give light to everyone who is in the room. So all of the little mini rooms 
that your students go into, they are to make an impact. And and this is a moment where we can teach them how. Man, that's good. I, I like your the way that you highlighted that divide that happens. And, and it does create passivity. There's a fear that Christian leaders, whoever that is, if that's mom and dad, or if that's pastor, student pastor, small group leader, we tend to, you know, people come over to your house for a party, and what's the rule? Don't talk about politics or religion. <laughs> that's, that's right. You know, just don't go there. Uncle Jerry, just can, can you not this year, you know? <laughs> Uh, and you know he can't because you've seen Uncle Jerry's Facebook posts for the last nine months, and you <laughs> you know you know where he's coming from. Yeah. So uh, everybody, we've all got an Uncle Jerry. <laughs> so we shy away from it socially, and in church, there are I mean there are some that just launch right in, but for the most part, it's hey we just stay away from politics. Yeah. And there's going to be a. You know, your church might share the the voting guide from the Great Commission Baptists, as uh, <laughs> will soon right. be called, I believe. But I would encourage you to think about this in a different way, that this is not teaching about politics. This is yeah. teaching about identity. Get that out of your mind. We're not teaching politics. We're teaching Christian identity. We, we cannot, when we identify with a party, we miss the mark. When we yeah. identify with a politician, we miss the mark. And when we identify with a policy, we miss the mark. None of those things are big enough. None of those things are perfect. None of those things carry righteousness they may have a hint of those things. And so we tend to feel like, well, we've only got two options, and so we have to pick the lesser of the two evils. That's not the way we've been called to live, to choose the lesser of two evils. That is that is completely missing the mark. Yeah. And so what is our identity, and what does that drive us to think and feel and do, and how does that drive us to interact? Bottom line is it's, it is impossible for us as believers to fully endorse any candidate or any party. You, you just can't do it. Well, you can, and you're wrong <laughs> if you do. And I, that's just the trick. Like, I'm not getting on anyone. Just as a believer, we have to understand we can't just give ourselves wholeheartedly to any one leader. None of them are going to hit the mark. We're all people. We're all flawed. None of us are Jesus. And so I would encourage you that way. This is not a political conversation. This is an identity conversation. And Man. maybe that will give some freedom in what you teach and why you teach and how you teach and, and probably keep you out of some hot water too when people say, well, what, in the, what are you doing? It's teaching the Bible, man. That's what, yeah. No, dude, that's so good. Uh, I think that is a perfect way to articulate the conversation. Um, and I, I would say this, the scary thing about this is in order to take advantage of this moment and use this as a way to talk about identity and use this political season as a way to point teenagers to Jesus and to help them think biblically 
about issues to make their own decisions based on the Bible. It takes leaders studying and making themselves familiar with what's going on. And I know there are many leaders that just get tired of the whole situation and just don't want to hear any more about presidents and elections and all of that. And so we shove it out of our minds and we don't do our own research and we don't become articulate and wise in those things. And when we choose to take that path, we are then incapable of having those needed conversations with our students. And so I know that in this moment, if, if you're desiring to hit the ball off of the discipleship tee in th- with this season, then it's going to take some work on your part as a leader to make sure that you are conversant in these issues and in how to think biblically about these cultural issues. Man, it's an uncomfortable place to be to try to wing one of those conversations. Yeah, and that's good and convicting for me because often, yeah, I'll get tired of the all the political talk and just totally lock it out. It's like, man, I, I don't want to hear it. It's so negative. It's so condescending. I don't know what to trust. You don't know what source you can actually go to. And it turns out none of them, you know, it's, it has, has to be, you know, you, there has to be a breadth of knowledge there to understand perspectives and try to sort out, try to discern what is the reality of what's going on there. But Ben, you're absolutely right. It, it is our duty as the people of God to seek those things out and parse out the truth. And then as we are the disciple makers, to use that pursuit that that we've poured time into to help our students understand how we got to that point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the biblical examples we see, like the one go-to one that that normally is Paul in the Areopagus, right? And yeah. he it's he's conversant in all of the false gods and statues that are in that place and he's able to use those as a tool in order to point people to the, the, the truth about Jesus. I would say the same thing about Daniel and uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they, you know, they're taken captive and in the palace leadership program in uh, captive by the Babylons, uh, Babylonians. And man, they, they've learned the culture, but they knew God's word well enough to say, okay, like, these are pieces of the culture that I can engage in, and these are pieces of the culture that I can't and that I need to stand against because God's word is clear on these things. And so, like, we're just, we're repeating examples that we see in Scripture, and we have, we definitely have a blueprint in those two about how to do that. Man, that's good. So, the last one, uh, this isn't like a new thing. So this isn't going to be one of those, whoa, that just blows me away. But, but it's true still. And I think it's still a struggle point for teenagers in regards to identity and in regards to thinking biblically about something that takes up a large part of their life. And that's the issue of social media. Teaching them to think biblically about their use and engagement 
of social media. Uh, we do have a statistic for you here that 74% of Gen Z say they spend their free time online. And that comes from the Piper Sandler taking stock uh, with teens research study. But man, 74% of this generation spends their free time online. And so for, again, for the church to not speak into the online lives of teenagers is to take that passive approach of something that they are going to be engaged in, whether we address it or not. So there were several rankings in here, top clothing brands, footwear brands, handbag brands, shopping websites, destinations, cosmetics, skincare, and then there's like celebrities, influencers, social causes, restaurants. They did a ton of work. Yeah, because this research study is based on consumer habits, largely. So, you know, we can learn from that too. Yeah, I'm wondering... I mean, one question I had right off the top, because this is also they've got in the infographic here that the average age was 16.2. And the top handbag brands are Michael Kors and Louis Vuitton. And I want to say, hey, how y'all got all that money? <laughs> That's a great question. That is 25% <laughs> of them were hopefully mostly girls. Maybe that's just uh, brand recognition, but I like to put that with the fact that uh, the top snack is Lay's potato chips. <laughs> so it's both a, a combination with goldfish coming in second. So uh, we got we got bags of goldfish stuffed in our Louis Vuitton. Nice uh, little balance. Yeah, that's right. But it is cool to see. You know, in student ministry, you wonder, who are the top people that are influencing? Who are my students listening to? And and so you've got a list there. David Dobrik, LeBron James, Kylie Jenner, Donald Trump, and Charlie D'Amelio. Is that how you say her name? She is the TikTok star who has made quite a career out of short little dances on TikTok. Um, but... It, this kind of a tool, I mean, it's whether it's the top snacks to figure out what to have when you can have your D now again, <laughs> or your right. top influencers to see who really is speaking into your students, even top celebrities, Kevin Hart, LeBron James, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Billie Eilish, and Ariana Grande. Um, just Man, just good things to know. Like, do you know those people? Do you know the message that that they're putting out? Do you know the lyrics to any of the Billie Eilish songs? They're catchy, but they're a little dark. <laughs> yeah, this. You know, we've you've heard us. Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast for a little while, you've heard us talk about the cultural learning, the cultural exegesis that we need to do as student ministry people. And this is part of that as well. Man, I tell you, I, I was, I was uh, honestly surprised at the top celebrities um, because they're not like, at least according to this survey, Billy and Ariana are the only ones that are like youngish. The other one, like Kevin Hart and LeBron and The Rock have been around a really long time. And uh, I, I, I would not be surprised if The Rock runs for president one day. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. I he, be either. 
the, the Rock could one day be the president of the United States. I'm not making a political statement there. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised with the amount of popularity that he has. He could do it. You know what would happen, though? And I think I want to hear the interview between Kevin Hart and Dwayne Johnson on getting ranked this way because they're constantly in competition. Oh, man. They're always at each other's throats. You know, if The Rock ran, Kevin would have to run, too, just because <laughs> they're always trying to one-up each other. And the debates between the two of them would be enough to make it worth it. Oh, my gosh. It would be it would be so good. All, all that to say, uh, as a student pastor, these are the kind of things, and you can find this easily, you can find this stuff easily, but being able to speak the language and know the influences that are speaking into the lives of your students allows you to have conversations that point their influence in a different direction, or even better, that allow them to filter the influential voices that come into their lives through the truth of God's word and for them to be able to decipher on their own. Hey, like what if you had a student come up to you in, in a few weeks or a few months after helping them see this? And they said, you know what? The more I read God's word, the more I realize that the, these messages that I'm getting or what this person stands for isn't really what I need to be standing for. Sounds like a discipleship win to me, but it takes some intentionality. It takes us as leaders knowing and specifically talking and addressing again, not saying don't listen to that bad music like that. That's not the point. It's here's what God's word is saying. Yeah. And the other way that I see this is, I mean, you, you wonder as a student pastor, sometimes how do I connect with some of these kids? There have been, I've asked that, I don't know how many times I've asked that question. Like, man, I'm. how do I get connected with some of these kids? What's the gateway? This is a giant gateway doc. You know exactly what their top footwear brands are. You know exactly what their top clothing brands are. And so you see some kids come in with some Jordan 1s. There's a gateway conversation right there. You start talking about their 1s. But if you have no idea that Nike is the top, the most popular brand in student footwear and that that would matter to a kid, then you lose an opportunity for just a front door conversation. And that's a, there are so many others. I mean, just like I said, knowing the lyrics to Billie Eilish songs, um, you know, understanding what they're watching and where they're watching it, going to these influencers and figuring out what do they do and why is it compelling? And and just thinking, how can I talk about that? How can I, I mean, it's like I have to do this when I, when I am in conversation and I know I'm going to be in conversation with someone that I don't have a deep relationship with. My wife is always like, will you just come up with some questions ahead of time because I'm not a great conversationalist. So I have to think, what can I talk about? Like, what do they like that I know? And I try to come sometimes well-prepared for conversation. Well, that's just being savvy about reaching students. What do they want to talk about? And what do I need to know about what they want to talk about so that I can have a gateway to conversation and open a door to relationship? Not just for the sake, not at all for the sake of them seeing you as cool or hip, but so that you can have that entryway to a genuine relationship that you know is going to lead to the gospel. 
you've got to be savvy. And being savvy in that way is just knowing what is influencing them and what they like and what they're gonna, what's going to spark them in any moment, in any interaction. Yeah, completely agree. Hey, we want to thank you for listening to this week's episode of the LifeWay Student Ministry Podcast. We'll see you next time.